0: you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn
1: Beck Program.
2: Money for nothing, the end of the American dream, the great reset, and we're all going to be so flippin' happy. What could possibly go wrong? It is the Glenn Beck Program.
0: This is the Glenn Beck program.
2: It is the Glenn Beck program. Jeff Katz, so very happy to have been asked to fill in for a couple of days for Glenn. I want to give you just a little bit of background. You know, we're talking about what happens next, and we are so far from next. I, like you, am a fan of Glenn's. I listen on a daily basis, and, man, I've been terrified as I've heard Glenn talk about this, this great reset. Now, what could it possibly be? Why was it build back better? Hmm. How about the stuff that was already built? How about all the wonderful stuff that we're in the process of turning down and tearing down and eliminating and eradicating and looking at history and going, eh, not so much. We're going to start today. No, no, we're going to start tomorrow. You know what? Give us a call back if you think about it, and we'll start at some point. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a background. I've been doing this talk radio thing for an awfully long time, but that is not the only thing. You know, I look in the mirror each and every morning. At first, I'm horrified, of course, but once I get past that, I think to myself, okay, alive? Check one off the list. Thank you, God. I take a look and see if uh, the bride is still breathing. Check another one off the list. Three kids, well, they're all in different rooms. I'm just going to assume that they're all going to be okay. And then I start thinking about how fortunate I am, about how lucky I am. And then I correct myself, and I'm telling you, it is each and every morning. Right? The initial thought is, man, I am lucky. I'm looking out windows you have to understand something, i got windows on all of the sides of my house. <laughs> Chuckle if you will. But when you grow up in the inner city of Philadelphia, as I did, you were lucky because you had windows on two sides. You grow up in a row house, right? There are 50 houses look exactly the same all in a row, hence the name, Row House. And then you look across the street and it's exactly the same and then you look up and down the street and i'm telling you it's mile after mile after mile now if you were really fortunate growing up in the city of philadelphia i mean you somehow your folks had just hit the lottery you had windows on three sides because you had one of the end townhouses right you could look it out the front You know what you saw out there? Well, you saw nothing, basically. You saw other townhouses, but you could still look out. And then you looked out the back window, and you were overlooking the alley. Right? The alley with the trash cans, more trash cans, trash, more trash cans. Not exactly a view that you would kill for, but nonetheless, you were looking out there. And then, if you were super, super fortunate, you had that third side of the house you could look out of now you didn't see anything that was worth seeing you just saw more townhouses but my point is the numbers added up right you had windows on three sides and you could strut around and go we got windows on all three sides so here i am in a house with a beautiful yard and flowers trees and i'm thinking i'm lucky i'm fortunate and then i realize no pinhead you're blessed for some reason inexplicable to me god said listen i'm gonna help you out here i'm gonna help you get through all this and in fact he has so why would anybody want to tear it down why would anybody want to look at what it is that has been accomplished in this nation and say yeah we're gonna we're gonna roll it back a little bit i'm in central virginia now, I am in what I consider to be God's country, right? I'm in this beautiful, bucolic, well, I want to say valley, but it's not really a valley. But it's got a lot of grass, it's got farms, it's got stuff like that. It's got small businesses, local businesses, it's got restaurants, it's got more farms, it's got me, don't know anything about a farm. I'm, uh, I'm a city guy. I just, I just assume that meat naturally comes in styrofoam and shrink wrap. What do I know? But people have cows, they do things with cows, and then at some point, you know, they're delicious. So I take a look at this, and just a couple of miles away is the city of Richmond. You may or may not have passed through Richmond, right? That's how I first discovered Richmond. I was passing through. It's was headed from, from South Florida, where my parents lived because, eh, you know, You get to be 65, 70 years old, and you're Jewish living in the Northeast. It's the law. You got to go to South Florida. So they did. They're not lawbreakers. And then I would be traveling up to New England, which is where I lived. And I would pass through Richmond, Virginia, right? It's on either side of 95. Is there anything to see here? Well, there's huge things to see. But I never stopped. Never bothered to stop. Why? I don't know. Had places to go, people to see, right? And then almost eight years ago, I'm asked, hey, you want to work in central Virginia? And I said, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe yes. What do I know? Oh, we've got this great radio station. It's a heritage radio station. We'd love to have you. I said, all right. So I'm here. Now, in the city of Richmond, there used to be this thing called Monument Avenue. And let me explain to you how this ties in with the Great Reset. Let me explain to you how this ties in with with this desire on the part of progressives to simply, simply rewrite things. So Monument Avenue was so named because, ready for this, there were monuments there. Now they were Confederate War heroes. Well. Right there, you know, there's going to be a problem, except there wasn't a problem for the longest time. People would come to visit me in central Virginia. And the first stop always, and I mean always, was Monument Avenue. And we would drive up and down. Now, most of my friends were were from the north, the same as I was. So, it was a pretty simple equation. I went to school, here's how... Here's how the period between 1861 and 1865 was addressed. Uh, The South was bad. We were good. We beat them. Turn the page. We're on to something else. Oh, okay. And then you get here, and is it the Civil War? Is it the war between the states? Is it the war of northern aggression? Is it simply saying, well, I don't know, 1861 to 1865, there's stuff happening. I don't know exactly what it was. But I would take everybody up and down. Monument Avenue, and invariably the first thing everybody would say, wow, really cool, you got all these second place trophies, that is really neat. And you go, "Yeah, okay, I haven't heard that one before. But then you would start talking. You'd get out of the car, I would park the car, we'd get out of the car, we'd walk up to these giant monuments, and you'd read some of the plaques, and you'd see this name or that name, and in most cases, we'd look at each other and go, I wonder who that was. What did they do? Who's he? And then you would talk about it. You'd Google it on your phone. you go, oh. Now, I can't tell you how many times I did this tour. Because that's really what it was. It was a tour. And I would take people when they came to visit up and down Monument Avenue. Over and over and over and over. And invariably, you know what happened? Conversations. Discussions. Substantive, intelligent Conversations. And you would debate and discuss what happened during the period of 1861 to 1865. Who was right? Were they right? Was it 100% on this side, 90% on that side? And man, oh man, you would talk about all of this. And you know what the conclusion was for everyone? We can't ever let human beings be considered property ever again. Never. Talk about an accomplishment, right? And then we go on, and we do something else. So what happens in the city of Richmond this past summer? Well, we saw violence all over America, right? And everybody saw Portland, Oregon and Seattle, Washington and New York City. But little old Richmond, Virginia was was part of that. Most people didn't see it, but I got to see it up close and personal. And I thought, well, I wasn't born here, wasn't raised here. It's 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 my town now. And I care about it, but I watched gangs, gangs in the middle of the night, tearing down monuments, toppling them, spray-painting the most vile, foul, profane things, and I thought to myself, had anybody there who was part of this, ever had one of these discussions? Did anybody say, ah, I wonder who this guy was? Why does this guy have a statue? What the heck is going on? And how do we make sure, how do we make sure this ownership of human beings, looking at a human being and saying, yep, chattel, just, just like the, uh, the credenza in your office, Jeff, exactly, This that's property. How do we make sure that never happens again. Well, you tear down the monuments, you deface them, and then you say, well, there's never going to be a conversation about the monument that used to be there. How do you handle that? That is exactly what we're seeing. You've heard Glenn talk about this great reset, tear down history, Tear down anything that represents history. And it doesn't stop with the Confederate figures. It expands to Revolutionary War figures. It expands to Christopher Columbus. It just keeps going and going and going and going. The conversations end, right? Because there's a generational thing. There's going to be a generation of folks who've never seen the monuments. And they don't know that they were torn down for really no reason. All right. That is part of this Great Reset. Now, that's part of what you and I are going to have to spend some time on, but we also have to think about what the changes are on a very personal basis. Now, I want to remind you, it's 888-727-BECK, 888 beck 888-727-BEC. I want to make sure that you, like I, am always checking out glenbeck.com, TheBlaze.com, tremendous resources there. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. I'm Jeff Katz, in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. (music) Jeff Katz, in today for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck Program. We uh, also have got to think about the free money that's coming our way. I love free stuff, and if it is free, it is for me. The problem is... As we take a look at what uh, Congress, the Senate, whoever these people are in D.C. did, what was it, last night, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, saying, hey, we got a solution. We're going to address everything. Now, we're not really going to address anything, but seriously, we're going to fix everything. And here's what we're going to do. we figured it all out. We're going to give people money. Now, that always wins, doesn't it? If you're going to pay me off, well, then I can go on and I don't know what I'm going to do, but but you can pay me off, right? $600 per person in each family. Well, wow, that's not bad right at Christmas time, fantastic. Who's the happiest about this? Amazon, maybe. Retail, gosh, I hope so, but there's another part of this that we're missing. There really is. There's another part of this. Every news story that I have seen covering this has this little sidebar piece or a or a secondary story that says Where are Americans going to spend the $600? Never once do you see the thing that says maybe people should put it away. Maybe you take the $600 in small unmarked bills, you stuff it in a satchel, you rent yourself one of those lockers at the downtown bus station, if in fact you can find a downtown, let alone a bus station, and stick it there for a while. Maybe it's valuable. I mean, you think about it, it's possible but it's all about getting it back into the economy. All right, fair enough. We're going to talk about that. But when I keep hearing free, I always get concerned. Look, free is a it's a four-letter word. And it ain't free. And there's nothing that's free, and you know that, and I know that. And we're big people, and we figured it out a long time ago, did we not? Free. Well, the problem is it's like one giant game of kick the can. We're saying it's free for me. I get 600 bucks. And then my boys, when they go out to work, and I don't know, can't be soon enough for one of them, but uh, whenever they get a job and they're, they're participating in this dreaded free market, they got to pay it back. Or do we just start printing the money? I mean, maybe that is the way to go. You just figure out how much we, we gave out, and then we print some more, and we give it away. How does that work out for us? 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. I remind you, please, would you visit, as I do each and every day, theblaze.com and glennbeck.com. If you want to uh, hook up with me, you can easily send me an email, jeff at thejeffcatsshow.com, jeff at com. Now, I mentioned uh, it would be nice if one of my boys got a job, but that's like real work. Right? If you're 16 years old and 19 years old, you're not really equipped to do very much at this point. My 19-year-old is a sophomore at Stanford University. He's brilliant. Just ask him. And when he marched off to Stanford last year, he was already the smartest guy in the room. Just ask him. And here I am. I'm sitting alone. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. There's nobody else here. But he was the smartest. He knew everything. The problem, I think, is that they, they gathered together when they got there to college, and they looked around and went, wait a minute now. Everybody is now the smartest in the room. And like most young people, they had it all figured out. Same way you did, the same way I did. We figured out if only somebody else would spend their money on us, we'd be great. It'd all be fine. It didn't work out, did it? So what happens as we move a little bit further down the line? Take a look at where we are right now. We are 10 months into the two weeks needed to, quote, flatten the curve. And I just mentioned to you, I, I'm alone and I'm not the brightest guy in the room. But when I heard two weeks, look, it was the government, right? The big federal government says, hey, we're going to need two weeks to flatten the curve. Okay, two weeks. I figured, well, again, it's kind of government work. I'm budgeting three weeks, four weeks. Ah, heck, I'm going to give them six weeks for the two weeks they said it would take to flatten the curve. I have no idea if the curve is flattened because we stopped talking about it, what, nine months ago, nine and a half months ago? And now, apparently... The only solution to any of this is to destroy the economy, drive business owners, local small business owners, just drive them out of business. They don't need to work anymore. They don't need anything anymore. We're just going to destroy them. And we're going to wait for the free money. It's going to come in. And as soon as we get more free money, gosh, we're all going to be okay. And then we'll get some more free money at some point and we'll be okay. Now, at some point, because you may very well be the smartest one in your room, you figured this out. We're going to run out of that money. We're going to run out of all the free money at some point, and then what? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I am truly debating, okay, if this is the future, and man, I don't want this to be the future. I really don't. Because again, I, I, I call me nuts. I just, I just kind of figured when I became a father that, that my goal, my duty, my, my sacred obligation was to somehow give to my kids, you know, a world that was kind of put together, give to them a United States of America that was actually as good, if not better on some levels than the United States of America that my folks gave to me. Am I going to be able to do it? Well, that is the question. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. This is Jeff Katz filling in for Glenn today on the Glenn Beck program. It is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn and so appreciative for the opportunity. Ordinarily uh, broadcasting on News Radio WRVA in Richmond, Virginia. I shared a little bit of the, the story here in Central Virginia. You know, and I've got I've to separate it a little bit and then I, I, I absolutely have to talk with you about it because this is such a big picture item, but it hits each of us individually. You know, I look at it. I'm sitting here in my broadcast hut, right? It's, uh, it's a studio. It's, it's a home studio. I never thought I'd have a a separate home studio that I always work from home. Wouldn't that be great? And now my wife and I look at each other and go, uh, when's the last time you took a shower? Well, I don't know. What's today, Thursday? No, it's mon. Oh, Monday. Uh, uh, well, look, I'm wearing my semi-clean sweatpants. Everything will be fine. I mean, there's a bigger part of this. It's not just saying to you, oh, it's going to be great. You work from home. Everybody's going to work from home. How do you go out and do stuff? How do you get your car repaired from home? You can't do it. How do you go out and have a meal from home I mean, you really can't do it? So there is that big picture that we're going to change everything. We're going to demolish history. Nobody's ever going to feel, feel bad. You're not allowed. I can't feel, I felt bad. If I feel bad, I should be able to change everything. No, take a lap, walk it off. I mean, that's what we're dealing with on so many levels. Now, I want to remind you quickly, you've got to check out Glenbeck.com and theblaze.com. I use it every single day. Man, I'm over there all the time. Great, great resources. Love to hear from you as well. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. If you want to shoot me an email, uh, send it to me. Jeff at the Jeff dot com. Jeff at the Jeff Cats Show dot com. Let me hit up Ron, who is in Michigan. Ron, welcome to the Glenn hey, Beck program. Hey,
3: thank you, thank you. This is uh, actually Jackson, Mississippi.
2: Oh, Mississippi. Well, look, yeah. I told you I wasn't the smartest guy in the room, so what are you going to do?
4: <laughs> and it is Monday, yes. Okay. Are you sure?
2: Uh, Wait a minute. I've got to check my sweatpants. I think sweat- Monday are the <laughs> yes, blue sure. stains on the sweatpants. Okay. Yeah, all, all, right. Right. all
4: right. I don't want to hear that. No, hear you it. don't. Like that's fine. <laughs> no.
2: Hey, uh,
3: uh, you know, with all the cancel culture, the sensitivity and everything, the Washington not Redskins, the uh, Cleveland not Indians, Yeah. Uh, how, how does uh, Nancy Pelosi – Her job, or how does she not get any flack over having many arrows in her
5: quiver?
2: (laughs) Well, I I would never hear. No, I, Ron. I would just assume that when she parks broomstick one, everybody bows down and says, "Look, she's here! Get the ice cream! She's here! She's here!" (laughs) Uh, Throw some water on her. Throw some water on her. That's (laughs) right. I'm melting. (laughs) But first, a billion dollars for you and a billion dollars for you. It's like watching Oprah uh, at the end of one of her shows giving stuff away, right? (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, sure, true. true. <laughs> <And> you <laughs> have a
2: good day. Thank I you, think. Ron. I appreciate the call. I'm mathing. Just like the ice cream. $20 for a pint of ice cream. Look, I love ice cream. I do. No, I really do. I love ice cream. $20? In a, what, $15,000 refrigerator or freezer? I looked at her freezer and I thought to myself, you know, that's like a Jeffrey Dahmer kind of freezer. There's enough room in there for a lot of bad ideas and a lot of ice cream. Hans is in Pennsylvania. Hans, welcome to uh the Glenn Beck program. Hey, thanks for taking my call.
6: I will keep it real quick. I, I think that it- it's more sinister this lockdown. You were talking about the two week uh flatten the curve. I think at this point it's it's absolutely about uh making the people that made the economy so strong under Trump suffer and put them out of business and put them on the government dole so then they're dependent once again on their elected officials. It has nothing to do with
2: COVID. No, Hans, you are brilliant. And I'm not just saying that because you're brilliant. I'm saying it because you're right. That's exactly what the bigger picture is. You know, I'm joking about, hey, Monday are the blue sweatpants. But think about it. Anybody who had the initiative to get up and go to work is now saying, eh, maybe I'll shower tomorrow. Right? I mean, we're stealing that from people. And, man, that is... It, it, it is, as you pointed out rightly, it is a prescription for dependency. Yes, it is, and and, and it's shame
6: on our elected officials—the ones that are supposed to be on our side, yeah. right? These yeah. spineless Republicans, and I don't even at this point—it's not even rhinos. You can't even you can't even separate the two because if you really take a step back, they're all working together. Because if you oh, can yeah. take it even a step, you take it even further back and make yeah. the argument that these Republicans that didn't help Trump in the very beginning because they were worried about Russian collusion, I argue that they were in bed with—they were all in bed. They all assumed Trump would fail in the first year, mm-hmm. and they would have gotten rid of him. And now, now they're all just saying, you know what? What the hell? These people will be on unemployment. They'll be, they'll be dependent on us. We
2: don't need to really do anything for them anymore. Right. Now you're abs- Hans, you're absolutely right. We've got folks, and I'm going to tell you flat out, when Donald Trump came down that escalator in New York and announced he was running for president, you know what I did? Yeah. I was, I was not a supporter. What do we have on our team? I guess it's still my team, right? The Republicans. What do we have? 110, 120 people running for the Republican nomination. And if you would have asked me back then, I probably would have said, yeah, I'll take any of them. What about Trump? Eh, I don't know. And man, it took me the longest time to come around and say, well, all right. I mean, look, he's running against Hillary Clinton. What choice do I have? So, I looked at him. And you know what I realized? I realized what everybody else had realized before I did. Because again, not the brightest guy necessarily. I had friends of mine saying, Jeff, you got to get on board this Trump train. No, no, come on. It's not going to work. It's crazy and i watch this guy this guy goes to washington dc and he rolls up his sleeves and he goes to work for me and he goes to work for you he goes to work for our kids he goes to work for the american people and then you start thinking is this guy nuts he's got a billion or 2 billion or 3 billion and then the left is like well, you know he's he doesn't really have 5 billion he's got $4 billion. Oh, shut up, Scooter, and go back down your mommy's basement, because you don't have anything. And I don't have, well, what am I? How close am I to a billion dollars? I'm like a billion dollars away, so I'm right there. He gives all that up. He puts it all aside and says, yeah, I'm going to roll for the American people. God bless him. And I became one of the Biggest, most passionate supporters and defenders of this president. Why? Because he's my president. Anna is in Rhode Island. Anna, welcome to the Glenn Beck program.
0: Yes. Good morning. Hi. I I want to well, I'm English is not my first language, and you can hear that, so
2: forgive me. Sounds great. So far. I am so an far. immigrant. Yep.
0: I work very hard, mm-hmm. and I. I didn't need, um, I haven't been brainwashed by the media of uh, Democrats. Okay. Ever since I came to this country 30 years ago, I started looking at the difference. When I came, I saw that there were many factories, many businesses, things were uh, going good. And then businesses started closing down and moving out of the state, out of the right. country. Right. So I started digging out what is going on because I was listening things here there in history in my country. I learned it was different. So I couldn't understand why people were... I live in a liberal uh, state. So oh, I understand why wait a minute,
2: Anna, so Anna, I let, Anna, let me stop you for one second. To describe Rhode Island as a liberal state is... <laughs> Is embarrassing to liberal states. Rhode Island is officially bat crap crazy, right? I mean, you have—it's everybody is a leftist, and even your governor, what's her name, Gina Raimondo, she's there telling everybody, you "Gotta lock yourselves in the house, hide under the bed." By the way, I'll be over here at this big wine dinner in case anybody needs me, right? And that is my
0: point. Yeah. If I, I have an attitude that I don't let anybody make decisions for me unless it's God. There you go. And if I were a business owner, I think I would be up there with a sign because I go to different places. I'm still working. Yeah. Big businesses have to handle more than five, ten people at a time. And mm-hmm. they are okay being opened. And then small businesses... Don't handle 50, uh, 100 people at a
2: time, but they are closed. That's right. That's right. And And it makes no sense. I'm sorry? No, I was going to say, Anna, you've made a great point, and I appreciate that call. It makes no sense. Look, I want our economy up and running. Do I want people getting sick? Absolutely not. Do we need to deal with issues? Yes, we've got to be honest. We've got to be forthright, but good Lord, as President Trump said, the cure cannot be worse than the disease, and we are just curing the heck out of everybody, aren't we? I want to remind you, you're always welcome, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Make sure that you check out TheBlaze.com, GlennBeck.com. If you want to shoot me an email, man, I would love to hear from you. Jeff at TheJeffKatzShow.com, Jeff at TheJeffKatzShow.com. It is Jeff Katz sitting in today for Glenn, and this is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck program. Is it the end of the line? Gosh, do you think about it? You ever think about that? I'm thinking, wow, we had a pretty good run. Eh, A couple of hundred years, the country did pretty well. Eh, All right. Maybe it's time to start eating sticks of butter. You know, I would smoke the sticks of butter, but you can't really get a good draw. So you just have to bite them off and... Well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. the problem with all of that, at least for me, is I got these three kids. And for the most part, I'm I'm pretty fond of them. Every once in a while, you go, really? Seriously? You're like, you got your head in the fridge like it's a television. You're watching the fridge. There's no food that grew in there in the last 30 seconds. But otherwise, I'm thinking, all right, so you got to do something. So what do you do is the question. (laughs) Well, that's the answer I don't have. But I, I just get this sense that there are a lot of us around the country right about now who are thinking, I don't like the way this is going. Let me grab uh, Jeff, who is out in Colorado. Jeff, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program.
3: Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you, sir. Same to you. Hey, I've, I've got an opinion about the small business, basically the restaurant owners that are having problems going out of business with all the shutdowns that may not be real popular. Right. But my thing is up until these policies were put in place by mayors or governors and they were shut down and they're starting to lose their businesses, which is horrible. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: How did they feel about the policies, those liberal governors and mayors were making? Did they vote for them? Yeah. The other question nobody ever asks them is who are you going to vote for next election? Yeah. And then the third question nobody ever asks is, what are you actively doing if it's – and it's horrible that you're losing your business, you're losing your life savings, your family's well-being is putting it put at jeopardy. What are you actively doing to kick those knuckleheads out of office that mm-hmm. are doing this to you? Are you putting yeah. up petitions for recalls in your business so every time everybody comes in you say, sign this, they're putting us out of business, we need to get rid of these people – Every restaurant in California that's still open, every restaurant in New York, Michigan, all these places that have these draconian lockdowns should have a petition on the counter or when their people go to deliver food should have it with them and ask their their patrons to sign it because obviously they're supporting those restaurants so they would sign it and they would get there faster, but... But it's just like somebody who has cirrhosis of the liver who's drank all their life. And, of course, that's a horrible disease. You're going to die. You're having problems. You're seeing the light. But are you going to – What do you understand what got you to that point? Are you going to stop drinking if we give you another liver, if we bail you out, if we save your business, if we start a GoFundMe page?
2: I'll tell you, Jeff. They're they're great questions. No, those are all great questions. And you know, I can only talk about it on a personal level. You know, I've got a favorite restaurant that's a mile and a half from my house. And I know the owners of that restaurant, Wendy and John. And I always try and tell people, look, you you've got to look at these local businesses and realize it may have a name, but there are real honest people there. These are your neighbors. Now I know that for, for Wendy and John from my favorite restaurant, Jake's Place, they are work like nobody's business. They treated themselves over Thanksgiving. They took two days off. Now let that sink in for a second. They own and operate the business. They have put their life savings into it. They put their heart and soul into it every single day. Their their uh, uh, dishwasher called out a couple of weeks ago, so what happens? Well, guess what? John's back there and he's he's washing dishes because that's what has to happen. Cause you're a business owner. Now it's not some multinational corporation. There's a couple of people that literally live down the street from me and have a restaurant down the road from me. And I gotta support them. And that plays out thousands of times each and every day in this country, John. That's exactly what's going on. And you and I have an obligation to support them. And yeah, you got to ask some of those tough questions along the way. Jeff at the thejeffcatshow.com if you want to drop me a note. So please, Jeff Cat sitting in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Terrible violence in the streets, police officers being told they are the enemies, presidential and vice presidential candidates supporting those who enable the violence. Can we survive as a nation of laws? That's next on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is Jeff Katz sitting in today for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck program. Thrilled to be here. Really, really flattered. Flattered to have been asked. You know, before this whole talk radio experience, I did a lot of stuff. Worked in the world of professional wrestling. But my real job, my I think my only real, real job, I was a police officer. I mean, a thousand years ago in a galaxy far, far away I put on the uniform, I pinned on the badge, I strapped on my sidearm, drove my patrol car, never busted anybody of any uh, great importance, didn't bring down any organized crime figures. But I thought I was making a difference. And and, and talking with other men and women who were doing that job so long ago, everybody thought they, they, they made a difference. Not every day. You weren't... You weren't necessarily thanked. I mean, I got to be honest with you. Nobody calls the local constabulary when they're having a great day. Hey, got a raise at work. Uh, I've lost 10 pounds, won the lottery. You know what? Let's call the local district, call the local precinct, have them send over a few of the guys. Let's bake cookies. Doesn't work that day that way. The worst of all possible times is when you interact with the police. I got it. But, but there was a lesson that most of us taught our kids, Right. The law enforcement folks were the good guys. And now that message is being blurred. Now, I look all over America. I see terrible violence in the streets that's being enabled by, by, by pinhead mayors like, uh, like Bill de Blasio. I take a look out in Portland and Seattle and you go, well, what the heck is going on out there? Now, there's one man that I know who can offer a perspective on this unlike any other. And let, let me just run down quickly part of his resume. Jimmy Galliano graduated from West Point. Served with distinction in the United States Army, was a United States Army Ranger, uh, served with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. He retired from the FBI as a supervisory special agent. He sits on the board of directors of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. And in his spare time, since he is such a slacker, he's completing his Ph.D. Oh, man. Jimmy, I appreciate you being here. But uh, somewhere up in
7: heaven, my mother is beaming down at you. You did a great job there. But uh, I don't know who you're talking about, who this Who this guy, this <laughs> mythical figure is.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I know that uh, the Galeanos have served this country for generations. And you're, listen, you're just the latest. And uh, I do appreciate so much. That you've taken some time for us, Jimmy. Can I ask you to take a look at what's going on in America today? Take a look at what's going on with law enforcement officers all over America, and answer a simple question: What the heck is happening?
7: Yeah, Jeff. I think you. Uh, I think you succinctly nailed it in your in your intro. Um, what we ask these folks to do, these these brave men and women in blue, um, it's really just incomprehensible that. We, we, we're we now looking at a situation where the approximately 800,000 people that that put on a uniform every day, strap on a gun belt, pin a badge on and go out there to do good things are under such a sale. And if you look at the percentage of them compared to the population in the entire country, 800,000 out of 327 million people. That means it's like you know less than two and a half percent of us are. They're like our military folks, such a tiny percentage that are standing on the front lines. And Jeff, also in your intro, you mentioned what we ask them to do. We ask yeah. them to run to the sound of the guns when the rest of us are high tailing it out of there. We ask them to be social workers and mental health professionals and jujitsu artists and <laughs> and to de-escalate in situations where. They're dealing with things, Jeff, in real time, and we have the benefit of, hey, let's look at this videotape and slow it down and examine it frame by frame, and mm. oh yeah, this officer should have done that. So, Jeff, they're not getting any help from, from, from one of the mayors that you mentioned, but it's, it's across a lot of the Democratic cities. You look at Lori Lightfoot in, in Chicago, oh. you mentioned Seattle, Jenny Durkin, Ted Wheeler in, in Portland, Muriel Bowser in D.C. They're cutting budgets in the, in, the, in the New York City Council, the New York City Council just signed legislation slashing $1 billion with a B out of a $7 billion budget for the NYPD, right? The largest police force we have in this country, mm-hmm. and by far one of, the, uh, one of the most restrained when you look at the numbers. And as you know, that's what I'm doing. Jeff, they're doing it across the country, and it is going to make it more dangerous for the rest of the citizenry if this is going on.
2: So am I supposed to believe then that SWAT is now going to stand for social workers and therapists?
7: Jeff, I mean, the insanity that you are going to send someone labeled as a violence interrupter (laughs) to go to a place where gang members are shooting at each other. That's bad enough, right? But then we have to worry about the collateral damage of innocent people getting hurt. And we've got to send people that are armed and are trained and are prepared to deal with it. And, Jeff, because of the infinitesimal amount of times where there are bad cops, they do exist. And there are cops that make, make mistakes. They, they do exist. We're all fallible human beings. But let me give you a couple numbers. Every year in this country, police kill approximately 1,000 citizens. And that sounds like a staggering number. The vast majority of them are armed and in an adversarial position against a police officer. They are righteous shootings. Every year, approximately 30 or 40 um, people are considered unarmed. Now, just because they're unarmed, Jeff, doesn't mean that they didn't pick up a stick. They didn't try to wrest away an officer's handgun or taser. They didn't fight and struggle violently. But, Jeff, to date right now in this country, right, 39 unarmed people, quote unquote unarmed, in the United Mm -hmm. States have been shot and killed by police. And let me give you the number and the breakdown to dispel the black lives matter trope and false narrative 17 of those people were white 12 were african-american six were hispanic one was other and three were unknown so this notion that racist cops are out there you know indiscriminately hunting down young men of color and shooting them for sport jeff it's a trope it's it's a calumny it's a canard it's just It is so totally untrue when you look at the numbers. And and someone may push back, a statistician, and say, yeah, Jimmy, but you're not factoring in population percentages. African Americans only make up 12 to 13% of our population. And that way, if you look at those numbers, they're being killed, quote-unquote, unarmed at a higher rate. Jeff, we all don't offend the same. And when you look Mm -hmm. at patterns of offending, which is an uncomfortable topic, yeah. That people don't want to they don't want to deal with because it's like touching the third rail of the subway. If you look at patterns of offending, unfortunately, we we don't offend the same. The numbers just are 52 of, percent of all violent crime in this country is committed by about six percent of the population. African-American men. Now, just like we should be sensitive to this fact and, 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 and not paint with a broad brush. That's what's happening on the police end. 800,000 good cops out there, we do have a handful of cops, we do have bad apples, they do need to be rooted out, they do need to be indicted and prosecuted, and they do need to face justice, there's no doubt about it, but we need to be equally inclined to be less bigoted and intolerant when we look at a profession and we smear it the way that we're accused of doing the other way.
2: Jimmy Galliano is joining us on the uh, Glenn Beck program. I'm Jeff Katz, filling in for Glenn. Jimmy is a retired supervisory special agent from the FBI and is, without question, one of the nation's premier experts. Uh, as we talk about uh, police shootings and and violence, but but Jimmy, this this violence that is being enabled, the violence, which is being directed at law enforcement officers, I think is inexcusable. And in addition to that, I have to ask the question, can we as a society actually survive that? If we are not respecting law enforcement, if we've got, uh, District attorneys and Commonwealth attorneys and states attorneys all over America going, yeah, we're not going to prosecute these crimes anymore. Yeah, go do what you want. Here in uh, here in Virginia, we've got a governor who who just uh, well, I, I'll get into it at some point, but but he decided, you know what? Uh, we're not going to have these no-knock warrants anymore, and uh, you don't have to have your headlights on while you're driving down the road, and you think you're crazy, you are just insane. The country, the society dies if we allow that, doesn't it?
7: Yeah, and, and you know you know, we, we are a reactive and a reflexive society by nature, Jeff. And what I mean by that is my first year in the FBI in nineteen ninety one, I was I was a uh, you know, grew up in Georgia, was stationed in New York City, and at the end of nineteen ninety, right after I arrived, that city suffered just an just an just an insane. Insane amount of homicides, the highest in the city's history, 2,262 of them. Now, here we are now almost three decades later, right? And we all know, we've heard about, you know, William Bratton and, and, and Ray Kelly and, and Rudy Giuliani as mayor and what was done by employing some policing methodologies that I'm sure your listeners are aware of, like broken windows policing, which says if you don't allow small crimes to proliferate, it sends a message that means the bigger crimes won't be allowed to occur either. And so there were crackdowns. And when CompStat was used, where police resources were moved around to where they were needed, and we just didn't put one cop in this neighborhood, one in this neighborhood, we looked at where the crime was. It wasn't racially driven. It was driven by what the crime statistics were. We also used stop, question, and frisk. And stop, question, and frisk was upheld years ago by the Supreme Court, and it basically says that if an officer has a reasonable suspicion that someone has committed a crime, is in the process of committing a crime, or is about to commit a crime, they can be reasonably stopped and detained and questioned, and if an officer believes they are armed, they can be patted down. Well, we have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. When de Blasio rode into office as a reformer of the police in New York City in 2012, What did he do? He basically tore the system down. What Mm. has happened? Well, 1990, 2,262 homicides. Over the last few years, this has been down to 300, a huge 95% reduction in homicides. The vast majority of those victims are black and brown people, and their lives mattered. But now, there's been an uptick in violent crime in New York City. Criminals can walk around wearing a pistol, knowing they cannot be stopped and questioned because cops are too afraid of the intense hyper Uber scrutiny. That's going to have every move that they make. And so what has this done? It's made the the neighborhoods that are desperately in need of police and Jeff recent studies have shown 81% of people of color in their neighborhoods want the same amount or additional police presence. They don't want to abolish the police. They don't want to defund the police. Now, they don't want to be brutalized. They don't want to be disrespected. They don't want to feel like they're living in, an, in a militarized zone and there's an occupying army there. And that's something that we in law enforcement have to fix and bridge the gap. But, Jeff, we need more policing. We need better policing. Police reform is not a bad uh, concept. It is a good concept. But that's not where we're going. To your point, the pendulum has swung in the other direction. And until the crime stats go off the charts— and we lose a lot more innocent people, it's going to take a while before we course correct.
2: Unbelievable. Jimmy, I, I can't thank you enough for being here. I want to remind everybody to uh, to stay in touch with Jimmy. A wonderful website, jamesagalliano.com jamesagalliano.com I am Jeff Katz, so fortunate today to be filling in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the, the Glenn Beck program. Jeff Katz filling in for Glenn today. Thanks again to Jimmy Galliano. JamesAgalliano.com is his website. You know, you listen to what Jimmy has to say about how law enforcement officers are being treated. And there's going to be a segment of us who say, well, well wait a minute, Katz. Look, I'm not a cop. Don't really care. Just want them to show up when there's trouble. All right, I got it. But what happens if you, you continually see this, this bat, crap, crazy legislation? Passed into law that says, yeah, we don't really care if somebody beats up a cop. We don't really care if somebody attacks one of those uh, deputy sheriffs or state troopers. That's their problem, not ours. Well, I got news for you. They stop coming at some point. And the only way, the only way that we are going to be able to combat that is to be brutally honest. I'll give you another example of, of a degree of brutally honest. Remember Helen Keller? Right? You know who Helen Keller is was. Helen Keller was blind, she was deaf, and somehow, some way, even though she lost her sight and she lost her hearing when she was 19 months old, she had these, these tremendous disabilities. There were no resources. Helen Keller would become an American hero. Helen Keller would go on to show everyone, you can do it. Now, are there the same levels of success? No, of course not. That's part of the beauty of America. We don't have the same outcome guaranteed. We've got the opportunity. Well, Helen Keller was thrown just a a bucket of problems. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. And she said, okay, all right. She, she raised millions and millions of dollars to help people who are disabled. She published 12 books. She wrote and published 12 books. And I think to myself, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I can read this, this post that's like 200 characters long. She did all of this. She went on to graduate from Radcliffe. It's kind of Harvard now. And she's attacked she's being attacked who in their right mind attacks Helen Keller well in this day and age nobody nobody is safe Helen Keller is now being described as simply another privileged white person now Helen Keller may have been a lot of things but privileged? How on earth does anyone in their right mind, and maybe that's the key point. <clears throat> you can't be in your right mind and say, oh, hella killer, man. Boy. Boy, did she hit the life lottery, huh? She was so lucky. She had all of these advantages, and man, she just wrote them for all this was worth. Look, I'm the father to a severely disabled little girl. And and Julia is never going to write a book. Julia is never going to read a book. Uh, Julia is never going to go to college. Julia is going to live at home with us forever and ever. And when we're gone, somebody else is going to have to take care of her. So I, I, I do wonder, though, would the same sort of lunacy describe my Julia as a privileged white person, I don't see any privileges for her. I see problems and obstacles and challenges and difficulties. Now, Julia is fortunate. I'll brag a little bit here. Julia's got the best mom on the planet. And, you know, I do my part if I can. Maybe maybe that's where she won. But how can anybody think about a Helen Keller or a Julia Katz and say, oh yeah, yeah, privilege. That's the example of privilege. That's where we're headed, by the way. And I want us to to, to examine this a little bit more because I don't know how we, the American culture, the American society, the American people move forward when we're labeling Helen Keller privileged Julia Katz 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. This is Jeff Katz, sitting in today for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. It is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz, sitting in today for Glenn, so happy to be here number of folks reaching out on Facebook saying, Jeff, wait a minute. Did I just hear you say that somebody described Helen Keller as another privileged white person? Yes. Yes, you did. And uh, that is one of the stories you're going to find posted if you go to Glenbeck.com or theblaze.com. It's all up there. It's, it's where I stop each and every morning. You've got to take a look at this stuff. It's outrageous. I talked about my daughter. Julia Katz is hardly privileged, right? Julia uh, only learned how to walk and I guess the last couple of years, last few years. Julia's seventeen. Julia functions at the level of an eighteen month old. And that's it. All right, there's not going to be one morning where all of a sudden she wakes up and says, Hey, dad, you know what? Uh I-, I was just slumming it for a little bit, but I'm I'm here, I'm I'm eighteen now, and everything is just fine. Okay. Julia's gonna be with us forever and ever. So privilege is hardly the word that I would associate with it. But you have to understand something. This is the news speak, right? These are folks who are telling you on a regular basis, don't believe your lying eyes. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you what you should think, how you should think, when you should think it. Let me give you one quick example here. Do you remember Brian Williams? Brian Williams was all the rage for a while, right? He was one of these, like, the chief news reader on MSNBC, and now he's been bumped down to, I don't know, one of the ones with, with a whole bunch of letters. We've got a little snippet of Brian Williams. It was one year ago today, a group of anti-Trump Republicans wrote this op-ed in the New York Times announcing something new called The Lincoln Project. And remember, Brian Williams, under enemy fire, was right there to help them launch that project. Who are you going to believe? Me or your lion eyes? I'm ordinarily heard in central Virginia, not too far outside of Washington, D.C., news radio WRBA in Richmond, Virginia. I, I mentioned that we've seen our monuments on Monument Avenue destroyed this past summer. As there was violence and craziness all over the country, guess what? happened in a a moderate-sized community, didn't get the same sort of attention, but I got news for you. This is the lesson. This is the one you got to look at and go, oh, that's what they're up to. Yeah. Tearing down monuments eliminates discussion of the people who were featured on the monuments. It, It keeps you from examining the actual history, and then you're told, oh, no, you just believe this, just believe this, just believe this. 888-727-BECK, 888 beck 888-727-BEC. Let me grab Steve, who is in North Carolina. Hey, Steve, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program.
4: Well, Jeff, it's nice talking to you.
2: Yes, sir. My pleasure. Um,
4: uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, I grew up in Richmond, too, uh, for about 10 years. Um, my dad was a pastor there. I'm sure you've heard of Glenn Allen.
2: Of course. Of course. I'm up in hey. uh, in Ashland, my friends.
4: Oh, Okay. Well, um, I, uh, I have had this discussion with quite a few people, and I mentioned to them about um, – uh, I just mentioned the word roots. Yeah. And uh, I'll say, can you tell me about your roots? Now, these are people that are different from me that I ask that question to. Okay. And they're very happy to hear about roots. And it's not just the program, but I want to know about their roots. Mm -hmm. Then I want to ask them, I want to ask them this question. I've done this for years, and especially during the time that, uh, you know, all these places are burning and so forth. Um, I said, look, do you want to know about my roots? Mm -hmm. And then they say to me, then they say to me, well, sure. And I'll say, um, my great-great-grandfather died in Gettysburg. Hmm. And then they'll ask me, what is Gettysburg?
2: Oh, stop. No. And, 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 no, I'm not kidding. And oh. then i
4: will say, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, he, he fought in the, in the 57th, Virginia. He got shot in the head during Pickett's Charge. I said, you, have you ever heard of Pickett's Charge? And they'll say, well, what's that? Oh. So, so what happens is they become very interested in what I'm talking about. Okay. These are the same people that should be upset. Yes. Yes. And when you talk about, you talk about the roots in that way, they're interested in knowing. And nobody no. ever calls me a racist when I ask them that. What but a they great They do not story. even know where I'm coming from.
2: Yeah. What a great story. Steve, I so appreciate you calling the Glenn Beck program. And, and Steve hits on it. It, it. it is about this conversation. I'm telling you. In Central Virginia now for eight years. And everybody who's come to visit, my first agenda item for them was to to drive them up and down Monument Avenue. And I'm telling you, I heard the same joke. Yeah, look at that. A big collection of second place trophies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it, got it, got it. But seriously, let's get out of the car. Let's go see who these guys were. Who's this person? Who's that person? Well, I don't know. Well, what did they do? I don't know. Well, We've all got the phone, let's Google this and Google that and you go, wow. And they're great conversations. And and, and and frankly, they're debates. But you know what everybody agrees on at the end of it, or at least used to, because there's nothing to see now. It's 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 just it's it's embarrassing and it's appalling and it's shameful. But the conversation used to end invariably with an agreement that never again should decent people let people own other human beings and then you could talk about other parts of this this civil war war between the states war of northern aggression there's a million different titles for it right whatever it was but there were there were all sorts of issues that needed to be addressed there there was an economic issue that needed to be addressed but fundamentally decent people that saw those monuments on that street We all came to the same conclusion at the end. We all said, never again must... Can we allow human beings to own other human beings? You don't fix problems in the past by pretending they didn't happen. Maureen is down in Florida. Maureen, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff,
8: a pleasure to speak with you.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate that.
8: Speaking of history and your guests that I've listened to since I've been on hold, they are all incredible and they all deserve honors. And John mentioned about politi- people running for political office. Mm-hmm. We need people to step up now yeah. who need to save our country and say, this is what I'm running for. I'm running to save my country. But that's not what started my call. Okay. I'm descended from William the Conqueror, Mm-hmm. who goes down to Mary, Queen of Scots, of course, the mother of King James of the King James Bible, right. down to John Smith on the Mayflower. And here I am today. We cannot erase history. Right. Our children need to know where they come from.
2: Of course, of course, Maureen. That is, that, that is so true. And I appreciate the call. We have to let people know where we've been. Talk about where we are. And at some point, don't we think, okay, so where are we going? You listen to Glenn on a regular basis as I do. And what has Glenn talked about recently? This great reset. Why we're just going to, we're going to change everything. We're going to make your life better. But before your life can be better, uh, we got to take everything away from you and you're not going to have anything, and then you're going to be dependent on the government. But not to worry. It'll all be just... It, it'll be fine. Because what's going to happen here when the bills come due, the government is going to go out and get a second job. You know, you're going to walk into your local supermarket, and you might very well see uh, Nancy Pelosi on the overnight shift. She'll be stocking the ice cream in the in the freezer section. Or, or or Schmuck Schumer going around putting up signs near the the spills on the floor lest anybody slip and fall. You know, they're going to go out and get second jobs so that we can all... What? Just luxuriates? Is is that what we're supposed to do? Is that? I mean, really, is that what we were built for? I get mocked all the time. Well, Jeff, what are you reading the Bible? I am. Well, why you're reading that? Well, yeah, it's like an owner's manual. You know, when you think about it, here's God going, "Hey, I made all you folks. Here, take a look at this. Uh, page seven. That's you, and uh, you know." <sighs> But what are we supposed to do? I thought we were supposed to be productive. I, I thought we could and should, or at least did, support those friends and neighbors who have got businesses. I'm going to talk more about it because I'm telling you, behind every single local business, every name of a business, there are real honest-to-goodness people. That's what we have to be concerned with. And now we've got the new coronavirus vaccine, right? We've got another one coming out? okay. I want you in just a moment to listen to someone who attacks the Surgeon General of the United States. The Surgeon General of the United States is explaining who should, who shouldn't, when they should, when they shouldn't, and somebody whose main skill, so far as I can tell, is reading words that somebody else wrote on a teleprompter. She's going to attack him. Wow. All that and continue continuing attacks on law enforcement, keep defunding the police. And, And who are you going to call dominoes when there's a problem? I'm telling you, I mentioned this earlier with my buddy Jimmy Galeano, retired supervisory special agent from the FBI. We are getting to the point that SWAT is going to stand for social workers and therapists. Remember, you can always shoot me an email. Man, I'd love to get some from you. Go to my website, thejeffcatshow.com, thejeffcatshow.com. There's a contact form there. Or you can just shoot the email straight, jeff at thejeffcatshow.com. It is Jeff Katz. In today for Glenn, this is... The Glenn Beck Program.
8: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
2: It is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz sitting in for Glenn today. Based in Central Virginia, but I got to tell you something. Connected with uh, friends and family around America. Loving this opportunity to visit with uh, so many of Glenn's wonderful Listeners. I mentioned to you that, that there's a woman on, I guess, is it it's CBS? I want to get the attribution right here. Uh, Sundays, what was it, Face the Nation or Meet the Depressed, whatever it is. I mean, all of these shows sort of blend together after a while for me. But, but she she was talking to the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Jerome Adams. I, I just want you to take a listen to, to, to a piece of this exchange,
8: But that same study from the Kaiser Foundation shows that this vaccine hesitancy cuts across racial lines. It also cuts across political ones. But I want to drill in here because the highest amount of hesitancy about taking the shot is from Republicans, 42 percent, according according to Kaiser. Uh, rural residents, 35 percent. Wouldn't it help to persuade those Republicans if the Republican president himself came out to try to persuade them to take the vaccine? He says he's so proud he fast tracked. Do you have plans to have President Trump get a shot in the arm on camera?
6: From a scientific point of view, I will remind people that the president has had COVID within the last 90 days. He received the monoclonal antibodies. And that is actually one scenario where we tell people maybe you should hold off on getting the vaccine, talk to your health provider to find out the right time. But that doesn't make you immune. There is a medical reason.
5: That doesn't make you immune. Politics
6: aside, Well, it does not, but we know that monoclonal antibodies, if you've been administered them, actually uh, are a potential reason why medically we would tell you to hold off on the vaccination.
2: Huh. Monoclonal. Hey, hey, how come nobody's talking to my ear, telling me exactly what these these monochromic, well, whatever they are. He's a Republican and 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 Trump, Trump, Trump. It's all Trump, Trump, Trump. I don't know what these poor people are going to do if, in fact, they really are successful in having Joe Biden. Inaugurated on January the 20th. By the way, I still think we got to go through January the 6th. I don't know. There's still some details to be worked out. I, I, I'm I'm just saying there there are a few things that probably will be discussed. But you hear that, right? Do you hear the condescension? It is just dripping from her. Well, I know better than you are. Well, you may be a medical doctor and the Surgeon General, but but I'm reading a teleprompter. Well, I'm sorry. Look, I, you may very well be a wonderful human being. I really hope you are. I don't know who you are, and and that's okay. And you don't know who I am, and 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 we're you know no harm, no foul. We're we're square on that. But if I'm going to get advice on a medical issue, I think I'm going to listen to the Surgeon General of the United States before I listen to you. And, and you can tell me that it would inspire people like me. You know, the great unwashed, those stupid people in flyover country. Why, those people, who who was it? It it was was former President Obama, right? Guns and God or God and guns. You know, we were the clingers and we part of the basket of deplorables and the great unwashed. And well, all right, I got it. You know, they are doing to people today what they've done to good people in the past. Take a look at the Supreme Court of the United States. Take a look at Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. A brilliant, brilliant man who achieved such amazing things. And he's been attacked and demeaned and pilloried since day one. Think about that. By the way, Clarence Thomas pops to mind because I just watched a couple of weeks ago the movie Created Equal. Created equal. Clarence Thomas, in his own words, it is all over the place. I think it was like a buck to rent it on Amazon or Netflix. Oh, you've got to rent it. It is an amazing, amazing film. Jeff Katz filling in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Pushing that great reset button. We are watching small local businesses get killed off. A three hundred dollar bonus for the unemployed. Oh, and by the way, where is the flu this year? Answers next on the Glenn Beck program.
0: This is the Glenn Beck program.
2: Jeff Katz in today for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck program. It is an interesting week, is it not? Folks getting ready for Christmas. Are we still allowed to say that? We, we are, right? We can still say that we're getting ready for Christmas. I'm one of those folks who is not offended when you wish me a Merry Christmas. I hate the weasel population. Well, Jeff, I didn't want to offend you. I mean, I know you're Jewish and all. Oh, really? You know how you offend me? When you say, Jeff, I'd like to kick you in your shins repeatedly. Oh, that, that bothers me. Merry Christmas is completely and totally motivated by the right things. Let me ask you to think for a moment about our small businesses and you know i i'm hesitant to use the word small now i know we use the word small because we're comparing them to the multinationals right the guy that that has the the store at the end of the street it's not the same as exxon mobil or some other multinational corporation so that's why we call them small but i think the real word is local That's the word we've got to start using. Somehow, someway, you and I have got to figure out how we can start substituting local for small. And here's what I mean. We are now 10 months into the two-week program to, quote, flatten the curve. This stopped being about flattening the curve a long time ago, didn't it? I, I, I understand we all want to be healthy. I understand nobody wants to get sick. I understand we don't want our friends and neighbors getting any sort of debilitating ailment. I'm with you on that. There's no debate on that. That's not left or right, short or tall, Jew or Gentile. It just is. But my question to you is, why are we seeing an all-out assault on our local businesses? Let me give you two examples, and I've used these examples time and time again as I, I talk to my friends and listeners here in Central Virginia on news radio WRVA from Richmond. I talk about two businesses all the time, and I talk about them because the folks who own and operate those businesses have become friends, and I've been able to see up close and personal what it takes to actually own and operate a real business. i got to take my car in to get repaired. And so I've got this repair shop, right? Certified Auto Repair is the name of it. You get it? C-A-R, car? Certified Auto Repair. And I look it up and people, I'm looking at the reviews and I go, all right, Certified Auto Repair and Henrico, that's where I'm going to go. Because they've got these great reviews. And I had become eh, I don't know. Sparring partner is too strong a word. With the man who owns and operates the shop. And now I referred to him, Stan Andruski, as my brother from another mother. Why? Because Stan understood the appeal of Donald Trump candidate long before I did. And we got into these Facebook battles. And I was on the wrong side, by the way. Let me be very clear on that. I could not possibly have been more wrong if I tried. And I've tried. I said, oh, no, no, come on. Stan is, you know, a TV guy. And and Stan was like, no, you don't get it. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. He understands as a business owner, as a business operator, how to be successful. Well, is that what it's all about, Stan? I asked him. Is that it? Is it just about the money? No. And we went back and forth and had these great discussions. I got my car fixed in the meantime. And now I can't tell you we're the best of friends because cause we're not friends. I promoted uh, Stan to family a long time ago. And that's why I say my brother from another mother. So I tell you the name of the business. You go, oh, yeah, well, they're they're a business owner. They're all millionaires, you know. It's like, no, that business, that's Stan and Megan. They own and operate that business so that they can give their dream, their American dream, some air, some life. They want to achieve their American dream, which is owning and operating a world-class car repair facility. Because Stan is like the car whisperer. He wants to give guys who know how to turn wrenches the opportunity to turn those wrenches. And you see, when he gives those mechanics, those autotechs, the opportunity to turn those wrenches, you know what they have to do? they got to buy more wrenches. And that helps the guy who is the wrench sales guy in the area. And you know who that helps? It helps the company that manufactures the wrenches, and you know who they employ—men and women who are working on the line making those wrenches. This is a big-picture item. Why are we trying everything? It seems to destroy a local business. It makes no sense to me. I mentioned the the restaurant. My favorite restaurant is right up the road. I mean, it is a mile and a half from where I live. And I don't know, if you're in Ashland, Virginia, go and visit Jake's place. There's a sandwich named for me. How cool is that? But that's the name of the business. The real name, Wendy and John. Wendy and John own and operate that business. Wendy and John break their rear ends to, to keep people working, to keep people eating, to keep the lights on. You know who gets paid the last in any, quote, small business? It's that business owner. It's the Stans and the Megans. It's the Wendy's and the John's. It's the people you and I live next to. It's the people you and I run into uh, at at high school football games or, or at church. Now, of course. We're not actually allowed to go to church or have high school football games. But, you know, back in the olden days when the, when the world was open before the zombie apocalypse hit, we did those things, didn't we? And now what are we doing? You know, I look at things around the country and I know everybody sees the big news stories, right? You've got you've got the governor of California who says everybody back to their houses, hide under your beds. You're not allowed out of your house. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be over here at the French Laundry in case anybody needs me. I'm going to be paying seven hundred dollars for dinner and hanging out with all my good friends. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You've got the governor of Rhode Island says everybody back to their houses, hide under your beds. But if anybody needs me, I'm going to be at this big-time wine dinner hobnobbing with other hobnobbers. Does that make any sense to you? And we're going to say to our neighbors, hey, we got more rules for you. Here are the folks who have never owned a business. They've never operated a business. They, They don't know anything about your business. But they're going to write rules and regulations that govern it. And you're not even going to get to follow them anyway because we're just keeping everything closed. What about this makes sense? I look at my kids. Right? My oldest guy is a sophomore at Stanford. You know, he's smart. He's home. Why? Because they're closed. Because they're closed. Nobody's on campus. And those people who are on campus are actually doing classes from their dorm room. Well, why should you do that is the mindset for a lot of folks. So they're back home. And and my Julia, my Julia is severely disabled. Oh, she's a wonderful young lady. Believe me. And, you know, I don't have favorites amongst my children, although Julia is my favorite. I love her the most. But Julia... 17 years old, functioning at the level of an 18-month-old? She needs to be in school. She needs the special ed teacher. She needs the therapist to help her so that she doesn't regress. She gets a half hour a day with my wife sitting there, and they look at the computer, and that's that's class. Does that make sense to anyone? And my little guy, look, my little guy is a great guy, but but he's, academics are not his first interest. You know, my oldest guy, Harry would get insulted, I mean belligerent, if we said to him, hey, did you do your homework? He'd say, I, I've got straight A's, except for that time in fourth grade where I got a B. I was like, did he really? I don't even remember that. Did he go to fourth grade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Harry. was like, oh, I, I can't believe it. Don't even ask me such a stupid question. Okay, never mind. And then my little guy, look, I love him, Joe. But Joe is the sort of kid who looks at you and says, oh, was that a today? So Joe needs to be in school. Joe's got to be with other kids, but he's got to be with teachers. Instead, he's in front of his computer. In his bedroom, in his sweatpants. You know, it all comes back to sweatpants. And I keep having to buy sweatpants because I figured out COVID-19, that 19 is the number of inches that my waist has grown since we've been under this quarantine or whatever it is. Because it's like, well, it's the end of the world. Might as well have another bag of chips. We got any dip over there? Jeff, you got half the thing of dip on your pants. (laughs) Haha! That's why I'm wearing these pants. Now, give me the chips. But I'm telling you, he's got to be in school. He needs teachers. He can't be sitting in his room in his sweatpants doing work online. It's not the same. But you know what this all ties into? It all ties into what Glenn has told us about for for a while now, this great reset Everybody's going to be gray or beige or, or whatever that, you know, the, 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 the paint on the walls is when you go in to look at a new home. It's like nothing there. You go, oh, yeah, it looks like every other wall. That's the point. You're not going to be able to strive for greatness. You're not going to be able to live out your American dream. You're going to believe everything you're spoon-fed and don't question anything. And don't worry about it. We're here to help. Wow. We'll talk more about it. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. I do remind you about two of the best websites anywhere, Glenbeck.com and theblaze.com. Make sure you are checking those out a couple of times each and every day. If you want to send me an email, jeff at thejeffkatsshow.com. Jeff at com. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn Beck, the Glenn Beck program, the great reset that Glenn has been talking about. I've got news for you well underway, and it starts, it seems to me, by eliminating those things that most of us, at least in the past, have looked at and said, yes, that's what America is all about. 888-727-BECK, 888 beck 888-727-BEC. William is in Texas. William, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program.
5: Jeff, a great pleasure to talk to you. I actually have a couple of comments, but I wanted to start off with the great reset. I think that people are not looking at this uh, correctly. We're using the word great because it's global. This is not an American thing. This is a global movement. And how do you get people to accept socialism and corporate feudalism? you got to take away the prosperity yeah. and the security. You've got to break the middle class, and you've got to disrupt the police system, okay? And also, as far as the war monuments, we have a class of people that are basically making a shakedown on the government. They are victims. They do not look at those war memorials and go 350,000 people made the ultimate sacrifice for me, laid mm-hmm. down their lives, and paid my reparation in blood. Yeah.
2: Yeah, William, those are such great points. And I I so appreciate you calling the Glenn Beck program. And you're right. The word great may confuse people. Maybe we shouldn't use it anymore, right? Global is the global reset. How did all of these leaders, I am making those annoying air quotes as I said that, all of these leaders all over the world come up with exactly the same phrase at the same time and get all of the same material posted, right? Build back better. What does that mean? I don't even, I, seriously, I don't even know what that means. How about just let American entrepreneurs be, you know, entrepreneurial Americans? How about allowing each of us to to live our lives doing the right thing? See, for me, that's part of this, got to tell you. It's not all about, you know, I've made enough money now. I'm going to get uh, six pairs of fur-lined boxer shorts and ha. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna be the happiest guy on the streets. Okay, well, I mean, if you got the money, I guess you can do that. But it is about doing the right thing, and it's about taking care of people. And you know what? I don't need the government to come in and say, "Hey, hey, you know that uh, that five dollars you stuck over there, we're taking." No, seriously, we're taking that because we know better than you do what to do with your money. But not to worry, we're helping. Well, I'm helping on my own, but I. I do appreciate the interest. Bruce is in Ohio. Hey, Bruce, welcome to the Glenn Beck
4: Program. Hey, Jeff, you're doing a great job filling in for Glenn. Thank you, sir. Hey, I was just thinking, I thought this long time
1: earlier this year, but it's kind of funny how Hollywood has been making movies for years, like uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, you know, The Matrix, The Shooter. Mm. You know, the born supremacy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all these things about deep state corruption. And then when it's actually happening, they deny it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's, it's hilarious. Even even, uh, Walt Disney, our kids were were, were raised on Bugs Life and and Lion King. And we see all this thing acting out right in front of us.
2: Yeah. Now you're absolutely right, Bruce. I mean, here we had, if memory serves, we had four years, four years of people telling us Donald Trump stole the election. The Russians stole it. Donald Trump stole it. Your neighbor that you don't like. Yeah, he was part of it too. And you go, but, 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 but four years. You remember, these were the people who said, hey, Even before Trump is inaugurated, we've got to impeach him. And you kind of raise your hand in the back and go, "Uh, I don't think you can actually impeach him uh, until he's been sworn in. We don't care. We're going to get ahead of the curve on this. Oh, okay. Impeach him today. Impeach him tomorrow. Keep impeaching him until he's fully impeached. Is he impeached yet? No. Well, impeach him again. And it was nonstop. It was this drumbeat over and over and over again, every day, every hour, every minute. And you know what's funny? Is that those very same folks are now telling us, hey, the election happened six weeks ago and you didn't really see anything, so can we move along with the Trumps getting their stuff out of the White House? Can't we let it play out? Can't we take a look into this? Look, I don't know exactly what happened. But, I would like an honest appraisal. You know, it occurred to me, the right thing to do is for a a special counsel to be investigated, uh, to be appointed to investigate possible election fraud. And you know who should be the number one supporter of that? It's Joe Biden. Joe Biden should be leading the charge so that he could someday stand up and say, "See, I told you I won. See, I really am." the winner of this but I I don't hear him saying that now I understand there's certain parts of the day you don't want to disturb him right I mean he's got to watch Matlock and when Matlock is over there's murder again with that looker oh man she is something and and then it's the golden girls and then it's you know nap time again but at some point somebody should say hey Joe how about making sure this thing was on the up and up Jeff at the Jeff, Kat Jeff Katz filling in for Glenn today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. It is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. What an absolute uh, pleasure and honor it is to uh, be filling in for Glenn for a couple of days. And what an absolute pleasure it is chatting with so many wonderful people. We're, we're looking at things right now as we lead up to Christmas Day. Yeah, I said it. Go ahead, be upset. So we lead up to Christmas Day where there are a lot of people that reflect on what they have. And a lot of what we have is being taken away. The question is, are we able to get it back? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't want to be afraid. And I do believe that that we're seeing that play out. You know, I am part of the lineup at News Radio, WRVA in Central Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. It's the capital of the Commonwealth. And we, on on an occasional basis, we get to hear from our uh, governor, Governor Gelding. Now, he announced the other day, That everybody in the Commonwealth needed to stay in their homes between midnight and five. And when he was asked at a press conference why that was, his response was, and I quote, my grandmother said nothing good happens after midnight. Uh, Okay, so what you're telling us is don't hang out at the Waffle House and don't do, wait, wait a minute, did you say your grandmother? now this wasn't your your public safety secretary. this wasn't some some astute world-renowned criminal analyst. This was your grandmother told you nothing good happened after midnight so you are determined to take away my rights to travel freely. Yeah, that's that's just not working out well from my end. But that's what he said. And we're seeing this around the country, the hypocrisy, the abject hypocrisy of the uber leftists who are saying, no, you need to stay in your house. No, you need to shut your business. No, you need to. All the while, they're out. They're at parties. They're at fancy dinners. But we're not supposed to live our lives. What's wrong with this picture? Can I give you one other little thing here? Do you know who Jean Shaheen is? She's uh, one of the senators from New Hampshire. And Jean Shaheen, well, she's an example of, of this leftist mindset. You know, when I, I lived and worked in Massachusetts for years, and there were times where I would, I'd be driving out of Massachusetts, headed north into New Hampshire, and I would think to myself or I would say to my wife or whoever else was in the car, boy, if only I had moved a few more miles north, right? Because New Hampshire was the live free or die state, low taxes, a mindset that said, hey, you might make it, you might not, but that's on you. You've got the same opportunities as everybody else here. And what an amazing mindset and attitude it was. And then you know what happened? Whole slew of people from Massachusetts... Would go to New Hampshire and go, man, the taxes are really low up here. Wow, look at all what look at the property you can get for for this price and that price. So all the seems of the, the the Massachusetts folks moved into New Hampshire and then just turned it into Massachusetts again. And so now New Hampshire is kind of like the like Massachusetts attic. You know, like a whole bunch of stuff is up there and every once in a while you go up there and look around and go, wow, that's kind of cool, or you know, and then you come back down. But Gene Shaheen is, is part of this new New Hampshire, which says uh, we subscribe to, the, to that uber left-wing agenda completely. So anyway, let, let me give you just a little snippet here of Gene Shaheen, please. Each of us
8: who are serving, Tuberville has been elected, but he has not been sworn in. But each of us who are serving as senators took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. One of the most fundamental principles of the Constitution is the peaceful transition of power. These senators and members of Congress who have refused to acknowledge that we had a free and fair election in which Joe Biden beat Donald Trump by over seven million votes are bordering on sedition and
2: treason. Huh? What? Wait a minute. So 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 that I'm clear, if people are not bowing down to salute Joe Biden, they're guilty of sedition and treason? Uh just <laughs> excuse me for one second. For 4 years, 4 years you told us that Hillary Clinton was the real winner. Hillary Clinton was was elected. Oh, and by the way, let me just say this. Hillary Clinton, not the president today. Doesn't that feel good? Seriously, say it with me. Hillary Clinton, not the president. Really good. It's just a good thing. Anyway, but for four years, it was nonstop. And now you have people, and I would say decent, honorable people, saying, well, wait a minute now. There were all sorts of changes, like to these mail-in ballot rules, don't you think we ought to take a look into this and see if it was all on the up and up? But she's telling us we're guilty of treason? Man, that's that's, that's, that's a pretty big leap, don't you think? 888-727-BECK. 888 beck 888-727-BEC. Joey is up in Maine. Joey, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. What's happening, Jeff? How are you? I am fine, thank you, sir.
1: I have fled the state of
2: Massachusetts. <laughs> and you get There's to no Maine, car- and you still got crazy people, but at least you got moose.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's much better. But, yeah. uh,
2: you know, they shut down everything in
1: mass. Then being a comic, that was shut down, which, which stunk. Oh. Then we also had a B&B. And with the 14-day quarantine, all that stuff in place, Nine years of running a successful business, gone, in the flash. And just made a decision. It's like, do we try to stick this out until our governor says people can stay at our home, or do we make a move? And things weren't looking bright. So now
2: it's it's an early life change, but it's a good one. All right, so so tell me a little bit now. It, it, you you flee Massachusetts. Uh, you you can't work as a as a comedian. You can't work uh, opening your home to people that want to come in for the B and B. So what is Maine letting you do?
1: Um, right now, they have you know they've limited shows going on in different places. Same thing. New Hampshire has limited shows, limited seating. Oh, okay. Whereas Mass is just done. Wow! Nothing. And then again, the magical nine o'clock curfew from a restaurant. If the (laughs) protocols work from noon till nine, they don't just stop working at 9.01.
2: Uh, Ah, Joey, this is, you got to understand, this is the smartest virus of all times. It it knows if you're uh, having alcohol or not. It knows if you had a sandwich at 9.15 and it's coming for you, baby.
1: You know, it's just odd to me that a, a governor... In New York, where they've got death rates on the roof, does right. a book tour about how wonderfully he handled this as the cases spike again. Yeah. Right in the middle of his book tour, they're breaking records.
2: Yeah. Tell us yeah. again how well that works for you. Is Governor Cuomo doing a lot of those book signings in those uh, assisted care living facilities, do you think? <laughs> no? Oh, no, probably he stays not. Out. He yeah, stays right. out. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it's... his brother's clear to go. That's right. <laughs> Are they on bicycles would be my question out there on Long Island. Is there uh, oh my gosh. Well, Joey, thank you so much. I am so sorry to hear that, uh, that, that the business closed, but happy to hear that maybe you're getting a new piece of life up in Maine. Wow. Sarah is in Georgia. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hey, Jeff.
8: Thanks for taking my call.
2: Well, thank you for making Um, it. Yeah, it's,
8: it's, um, they're 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 hell to destroy everything. I think. Yeah. Um, I have two children who have graduated from college, both of them with PhDs. Wow. Um, of course, you know they were raised in a conservative house, but they went to college, and so now I'm not real sure. But <laughs> here in Georgia, you know, we're having this Senate runoff. Yes. And I went out to see the vice president at the airport in an open hangar with some friends. Okay. Well, now my children are not speaking to me for Christmas. Uh, oh my gosh. So I found out that I went, that uh, I was irresponsible, and that they really just, you know, uh, were not going to talk to me. And nah. uh, I was kind of blown away by it. But then, of course, I got mad, as the mother that I am. <laughs> and I told them, I said, you know, Probably the worst thing I ever did was to send you guys
2: to college. <laughs> and, but, well, Sarah, be- Sarah, let me ask you this: Is it too late to tell them that you're going to disown them? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, you're you're out of the will. You're not getting any of my cool stuff. So there you go. No.
8: <laughs> I mean, really, it's 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 unbelievable what college does to these children.
2: Oh, I know. Uh,
8: I know. My husband. Neither one of us went to college. We've made a good life. My husband, I won't where he works, but he's still working. I worked in the assisted living industry for 21 years. I started at the bottom, worked my way to the top with my high school diploma and my technical school. You can be anything you want to be, and you don't have to go to college.
2: Okay. I agree with you, Sarah, and I appreciate that call and I appreciate that mindset. Look, isn't it, Mike Rowe talks all the time about honest work? Right? I don't know about you. I had an occasion a couple of years ago. We had to call a plumber. $450 to come in for, I don't know, 11 minutes worth of work to snake a drain. He didn't get his hands dirty. I worked as a as a kid when I was a teenager. I used to help my Uncle Paul uh, as he was a plumber. Man, that's nasty hard work, and it's, it's it can be really, really, well, ugly. Let's just say that. But it's honest work. I'm sitting here in my beautiful little broadcast hut, and right outside my door, I got a whole bunch of mud. We got rain, and it's mucky. It's like a swamp. I, I'm waiting. There's a guy who's going to come and he's quite literally going to dig a ditch and make my life better. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful to him and every one of us ought to be. 888-727-BECK. 888 beck 888-727-BEC. Remember, you've got to check out the websites Glenbeck.com and blaze.com. It is, uh, it's is—it's just mandatory reading. It ought to be for you. And if you want to send me an email, jeff at thejeffkatshow.com. Jeff at the Jeff Katz in for Glenn. It is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz filling in for Glenn today. Uh, Just a piece of breaking news, just a couple of moments ago, Attorney General William Barr announced that he is not, I repeat, is not going to be appointing a special counsel for either the election matter or the Hunter Biden matter. Well, shouldn't somebody look into these things? I mean, really, are we leaving these for Joe Biden? You're leaving the investigation of Hunter Biden to Joe Biden. Now, I know I was never a United States attorney. I was never a prosecutor. But it just seems to me when you're trusting the guy with the name Biden to be responsible for somehow taking a look at the potential problems with somebody else named Biden, we got a problem. Seriously, I'm going to trust the big guy? Is it too soon to start referring to them as La Josa Nostra? It might be. I'm going to get involved with uh, somebody who actually knows about that. And then the other part, the election fraud. Is there nobody who can say to Joe Biden, listen, Let's say you are inaugurated on January the 20th. Don't you want this thing to be as clean and as honest as possible so that you can stand in front of the American people and say, I really am your president? You know, people keep talking about January the 6th. That's when all of these electoral votes are going to be presented to Congress, Now, I don't know what Vice President Mike Pence is going to do. I don't know what uh, Congressman Bo Brooks or Senator Ron Johnson are going to do. But I can tell you this, because Mike Pence and I, a thousand years ago, were baby talk show hosts together. I kid you not. It's like my one claim to fame that Mike Pence and I used to be talk show hosts together. Now, Mike obviously uh, did far better than I did, but that's not the point. That's not the point. I know that Mike Pence is a decent, honest, honorable man. And I know he's going to do the right thing. And I'm looking at President Trump today, and I'm looking at the people around President Trump, people like you and people like me, and I'm saying, we got to stand with this president. Not everybody was there when he first announced his candidacy. I know I wasn't. But I've watched for four years as this guy has busted his rear end tirelessly on behalf of us. We owe him. We've got to stand with him. Keep him in your prayers for sure. Have an incredible day. God willing, you and I get the chance to do this again. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
0: is the Glenn Beck Program.